day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Well, good evening. Welcome. Glad you are with us. Oh, my goodness. WTMJ Nights on a Thursday. That means the return of Tundra Talk with uh, Brandon Snide later on. And uh, a little drive through window. So I'm at the breweries. Matt is here. He's ready to answer the old National Bank talking text line at 855-616-1620. So if you call in, be nice to Matt. And uh, you can text. You can also always text our text question of the night. We start with today is National Live Creative Day. What is the most creative thing you do? The most creative thing you do, because it's National Live Creative Day, 855-616-1620. Matt, this is exciting. You are now part of my third show of the day. Is that a record? I don't, probably not. Now, I didn't do a full three shows. I did the full um, WTMJ Now. I sat in for Steve Scafidi with Sandy Max. Uh, Then I did a half hour of the Jeff Wagner show leading up to baseball, and now I've got this show, our show, the home show, the base. So it is uh, It is quite a day. I'm sure people who are listening to WTMJ all day are like, uh, does nobody work there but Brian? He is the hardest working man on radio. And I say that only to pump myself up. I know that is not what people are saying, but um, yes, it should be, should be a big day. I like to check in with you on Thursdays, Matt, because you have a lot of uh, sports coverage coming up this weekend, I'm sure. What do you uh, What do you got going on? We got a busy week. We got Friday night football tomorrow, Andrean versus Hobart, uh, okay. two reigning state runner-ups, separate classes. Uh, Andrean's riding a bit of a winning streak against the Brickies of Hobart, an interesting mascot right. there. So it uh, should be a good one tomorrow night. All right. Can I give you kudos for saying Hobart? Because it is spelled Hobart, but it is pronounced Hobart. That's a lot harder for me than you think, because I, I went to school in upstate New York. And okay. in upstate New York, you have the Hobart Statesman, the oh. college team. See? So uh, okay. you got to be sure that you distinguish the two. Yes, so you, well, you've, you're, you've got a foot, a foot up, or a leg up, I should say, because you're already pronouncing it correctly, so that's good. Unlike me with Giannis. No matter how many times. Now, I'm not seeing Giannis in print, so I know how to pronounce it. If it was written down in front of me, I would mispronounce it again. I don't know why. So as long how as you mis- saying Hobart. How do you mispronounce it? Giannis? I always say When I'm reading it, that's it. Uh, when, I, when I read it, I say Giannis. When I'm just talking, I say Giannis. Dare I ask I about the last name? the name is supposed to be. <laughs> Dare I ask about the last name? Oh, uh, I, 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 you know, no. It's like share. You just say Giannis. Everybody knows Giannis. I know it's Atentecumpo. That's pretty close. Right? No? There you go. See, there you go. Yeah. But really, thank you. I'm No, I know his last I can say the last name. Mostly because that one I don't even try to read. I just have to. That one I've committed to memory. Just like I have committed Giannis' first name to memory. Unless it's written down. <laughs> so that's the key. But uh, basketball season is a little ways off. We're going to focus on football season. Um, waiting to see. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people 
running in uh, or writing in wondering what the heck am I doing back? Well, this is my show, so this is the one I have to be at. I was I had a lot of fun sitting in with Sandy uh, for Steve. I've done that before and hopefully do it again. We had a good time this morning covering some breaking news and uh, a lot to get to. Matt, what uh, I will I will answer the text question tonight first because I I don't normally think of myself as creative per se. But I know I do some creative things. I think this is a creative outlet for me. Or I know it is. I also am. Uh, I also do stand up, so that is a creative outlet. And um, so I think that's where I'm creative. I'm also creative when I'm in the classroom with how I interact with the kids and stuff. So it doesn't. When sometimes when people hear the term creative, they think it has to be: Do you paint? Do you write? Do you do this? No, it could be, do you make up silly songs when you're talking to your kids? Do you, Anything you do that you are bringing something to bear out of nothing, you're being creative. Are you a woodworker? Uh, do you, you know, are whatever it is. Matt, where do you believe your creativity lies? My creativity lies right here. Here and then in other avenues, like as a sports play-by-play guy, while your script is written in front of you, it's how you tell the story that yep. determines the creativity. I I agree with that 100% because you can listen to five different people call if they were all calling the exact same game. Take take the punt return on Monday night. Yes. That won the Jets the game and unfortunately yes, lost a lot of uh, money lot for people, of people in Milwaukee. Paying up. <laughs> a lot of people paying their bar tabs. But take that kickoff return. I listened to it on three different outlets, three different okay. radio outlets. So you got the Jets, you got the Bills, and then you got the National with Kevin Harlan. To listen how each broadcaster called it, you get a little bit of, okay, there's so many ways to describe literally the exact same thing. Yeah. And they all work. There's no, sure they do. There's no right answer. There's obviously better answers. But there's no right answer. Right, because if you're you're going to get obviously a different call from the Jets from the Jets team to the uh oh the the Bills teams, you know, their their broadcast teams are going to call that play diametrically opposed. You know, one's going to be ecstatic, one's going to be miserable. And then the national team that's supposed to be well, they're supposed to be neutral. They're going to call it a different way. So no, that is very it's very creative. The 262 says I don't know about creative, but every couple of months I do a thousand piece puzzle. That is creative. It's exercising your mind and yes, I I would count that as creative. Why not? You know? Uh, so that is our text question of the night. Today is National Live Creative Day. What is the most creative thing you do? 855-616-1620. The old National Bank talk text line. Old National Bank, get old. When we come back, another reason to hate flying. We'll get to that and more. It's WTMJ Nights. I don't know about you. I I like to travel, but I hate the act of traveling. I, I think most of us get frustrated at the airports. Uh, between the lines and TSA and the delays, and there's a lot of a lot about the traveling process that makes it very very distasteful. When you get somewhere, you're happy happy until you realize then you have to fly back home. But I've I've found some 
some airports, especially overseas, I've been pretty lucky with airports, uh, unlike unlike here. And now this story came out yesterday, and I'm sure you may have seen it. TSA agents, now this was from Miami, but this is only because they were caught in Miami. Uh, I I would hope it's not happening at Mitchell, but I have a feeling it may be happening at all airports. Surveillance video got released uh, in a case of three TSA agents who were stealing from passengers as they went through security at Miami International Airport. Now, I know, ladies, when you go through, you have your purse, and it's a little harder I would imagine to open a purse for me. And I think for most guys, like they make us take our wallets out and stuff. And I usually just um, shove it in the front pocket of my backpack that I travel with. And I zip it hoping that that, and I, I also am one of those guys. And I don't know if you do this. I stay pretty much on par with my bag. I don't, uh, if the, if it's backed up, I just wait. Until, unless they tell me to keep moving, then I wait till my bag is going through, and I'm watching the whole time. Uh, I watch when my bag goes through x-ray because you can see the screen that the TSA people are looking at, and I'm always looking, and then I realize, oh, no, those are all my like charger cables. That doesn't look good on the x-ray, and yes, sometimes it gets pulled. Um, but they were this trio of agents... They were first reported on back in July, and they were stealing thing one. So they had they have all these tapes, right? And one was labeled eight hundred dollars, and the agent was seen grabbing a small bag, and then it looked like they were pulling out a wallet. He stays with the bin down the conveyor belt until he pushes it through, then he puts his hand in his pocket. Then another clip was labeled Gonzalez six hundred. Two agents were focused on a corner of a bag inside the bin. One appeared to quickly pocket something. Um, investigators said they worked together, these three TSA agents, to steal from passengers during the screening. Uh, the federal security director contacted Miami-Dade Police Department about the recent ongoing threats at the security checkpoint. The three were charged with organized scheme to defraud. They haven't gone to... Um, they haven't gone to court yet. They're in the system. This is one. Anytime somebody steals from you, it's horrible. It's you know they're the lowest of the low. But to do it there, where they're under the guise of the government, you know, and we're used to the government uh, taking from us, whether it's taxes or you know whatever else. But you know we don't have a choice. I have to. I have to put my stuff in that bin. You have to put your things in that bin, whether it's your computer or your shoes or your belt or anything else it's got to go in there right we can't go through we can't go on with our trip if we don't if we don't do it and now you got people stealing from you i don't know how where do you stash your uh where do you stash your goods matt when you're going through the tsa i don't leave anything loose because no. it's too big of a risk and just like you said brian i am it's like there's a rigid pull between my hip and my bag like unless there's a backup at the metal detector, I am as even as possible with it. I'm also watching every single agent, and the reason why is because I was at JFK taking. Remember, if you're a constant listener of the show, my short flight from New York to Ithaca. Um, All right. 
Yes, so uh, I'm getting ready to airline travel. Yeah, I'm getting ready to board that flight. And so I'm going through security and I noticed that my headphones are missing. Everything came out of the machine. I have literally everything except my headphones. And so I go to the TSA agent, say these were out. It was isolated because they forced you to take it out of your bag. Sure. And. She's like, I don't know where it is. And so I ask every single agent that's around the vicinity. I wind up getting it about 20 minutes later. And they say, oh, it fell through the cracks. Fell through the, fell cracks. Through the cracks. They're Beats audio. It, they're big headphones, like the ones yes, we wear when we're on the radio. Fell through the, the cracks. cracks. <laughs> like, what are you saying? Oh, man. So I'm not sure if there was anything funny there, but nonetheless, nonetheless, I don't take any chances. I'm also fortunate that... I have pre-check, so I don't have to deal with a lot of the trials and tribulations that some that people go through yeah. when they go through actual security. Now, I still have to go through it if I'm going international or if I don't get it granted. Right. Um, but with how often I fly, it just makes life so much easier just because of the lines. But it's still it's a massive risk, and it's unfortunate that this is happening. Wow, I can't believe I can't believe that uh, that happened to you. That is the oh man, I would be livid. But who do you, what do you do? Then you go to the supervisor, and they're like, "Well, they said it fell through the cracks." Now that that obviously is a load of garbage. They're not. They were in the bin too. They weren't right, on the conveyor belt. The cracks. How and how how stupid is somebody to think you're not going to realize that your beats aren't there anymore? Hey, I had headphones about 38 seconds ago. Where'd they go? Mm, also, I wear them in every part of the airport except for through security when I have to take them off. Do you really yeah. not think I'd notice that there's something not on my head anymore? Wow. That's amazing. And you you just let it go? Once you got them back, you just took Once off? Once I got them back, I was just like, I have a flight to catch and wow. went and did it. Because at the end of the day, I had my stuff. Now, I was... A little That's paranoid because now, I was going you're... through, I was going through the rest of my stuff because I didn't know what else could have been going on. It was a busy day. It was a yeah. Sunday in January, and I think it was a long weekend too. So there was a lot of people that were traveling. It was just a little, wow. a little sketch. So. Uh, Cautionary well, tale. That's to more than a little sketch. That's a lot sketch, and that's the way. That's the way they figure they're gonna. They're gonna hope. That you're not going to raise a, a stink because you got to get to your flight. Whereas if you were coming home, and you know you didn't have to be somewhere at that exact moment, you're gonna you know you're gonna go crazy. Well, also they have to notify you if anything fails the screener, and then right. they have to go through it in front of you. And there are some airports, like O'Hare, a few others that are fantastic about it. At least in my experience. But there are others that, you know, they start digging and then they say, excuse me, sir, you have this that's not right. After they've yeah. been digging for two minutes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, always, I'm always skeptical. I, I had, this was one time we were, we were flying down to New Orleans and it was after Halloween. And so I had a Ziploc bag that had, uh, you know, a couple handfuls of like the mini candy bars that you would give out for trick-or-treating. I got pulled out for that. And they're like, what are these? I go, they're Snickers bars. Uh, and it was it was a whole thing. And I'm like, are you serious? And 
they took they took the Snickers bars. It's like, wait, okay, are you they, hungry? Oh my god, they're just hangry, so they gotta they gotta check that out. But I've never had anything come up missing, and oh man, that would make me that would make me crazy. From the three one two, I'm a cash guy and try not to use credit cards unless I have no other option. When I travel, I usually have a large amount of cash. I always keep the cash in my pocket when going through security. It's not detected by the detectors. Now, see, I. That surprises me because I've had a handkerchief in my back pocket that set off the uh, set off the uh, alarm. I've had a Kleenex folded up in my pocket that set it off. So I'm surprised. I'm surprised that cash wouldn't set it off. Maybe it's maybe it's because it's the metal detector. If you go through the one where you stand with your hands up and it's like an X-ray, that catches everything. You know, that's when I've had the the handkerchief or the Kleenex or something set it off and pull me away. Peggy says, and how are we supposed to trust the TSA people with our safety if they are thieves? That is a good question. Good question, Peggy. All right, we'll try to answer that and so many more questions after this on WTMJ Nights. Brian Newton, WTMJ Nights here until 8 o'clock. Then it's Brewers Weekly with Dom Catronio. Season starting to wrap up. The, uh... Playoffs coming soon. They should have everything set by October first to see uh, the wild. What, who's going to play who in uh, the wild card? All right, this is very exciting. I am still uh, childlike. Some would say childish, uh, but I do like toys, and I always am looking forward to the time of year when the finalists are announced for the National Toy Hall of Fame. So that is that is my question for you. Please, what was your favorite toy growing up? What toy do you remember? Was there a toy that you always longed for that you couldn't you never got? A lot of different things. Now, it's going to be generational, and that's what I like about the Toy Hall of Fame. They go it um it goes back to a lot a lot of vintage games, but then there are a lot of uh, or a lot of vintage toys rather. But then there are toys that are brought in that came along long after I was uh, getting toys. When my youngest brothers were getting toys, I liked that. But before we get into that, now it has been a while. It has been a while since we have heard from the WTM night TMJ Knights poet laureate. They have been they have been conspicuous conspicuous with their absence. I should say. It's been a long day. My tongue isn't working anymore. They've been conspicuous with their absence, but they are back. So it's WTMJ Knight's Poetry Corner from our Poet Laureate. Oh, okay, so now we need to be concerned when traveling about something new that we've learned. The TSA, who we thought was our friend, we now need to check our stuff at the end. Before we leave the security line to make sure that all our stuff comes out fine, since now that airlines charge us a fee for our bags, we also need to check for our goodies that may lag into the hands of agents whose duties we trusted, but now we see their actions got busted. When video shows there are thieves in our midst, we now have to watch what they keep off their mitts. From our stuff that we dump onto conveyors so crowded, to make sure it all comes past, folks, we never doubted. Arg, travel safe, my friends. A knight's poet. Thank you, thank you, our poet laureate. 
again, we don't know who they are. They are mysterious. But they are back, and that was good. All right, let's... Matt, did you have a favorite toy growing up? Favorite toy? I'm thinking of like a toy and not a ball or a puck or anything like that. Well, those they, they have like uh, Nerf balls and stuff. Well, Nerf balls are one of the finalists this year. Okay. So it could be, it could those be something thing, like that. The thing with those Nerf balls is you'd throw it three or four times, and then wherever your thumb was, you would have that indent forever. Yes. And it turn into that blondish color. Yeah, and they'd get lint on it, or if you have a pet, it'd be covered with dog hair. Yeah. Like, Ooh, I don't really want to play with this Nerf ball anymore. It seems like a dust bunny. That doesn't that doesn't make sense. But uh, no, they've had they have all kinds of uh I'm go back and get uh, all of them. But yes, there are um all kinds of things in the uh in the National Toy Hall of Fame. I I was always a big one. Um, like you, I, footballs, baseballs, soccer balls, and stuff. When it came to games, um, I always, and I found this in my mom's garage, and I brought it home. I don't know what it's called, but it had a uh, steel ball, and the steel ball rested on two rods. And you would spread the rods, and the ball would start to come come up. And the farther you could get it towards you, the higher point value. And you had to bring the the rods closer and further apart, and it would create a path for the ball to roll. And then if you got it near you, it would drop. And so I found that in my mom's basement. And then there was this game, Rebound, that I really liked. It was a long plastic two-sided um, board. And you'd take, you know those ball bearings with the plastic ring around them? That so you'd slide those up and they'd bounce off two rubber bands at the top and they'd come down. It was kind of a two-tiered shuffleboard. So you'd throw it up, slide it up the one side, it would bing, bing, bing off the rubber bands, and it would come down the other side, and then it would either stop on a line with points or it'd go too far and it'd drop off the board into a little uh container, or it wouldn't go far enough, and then you'd have no points. And that was called rebound. So I uh I enjoyed that. Here are the finalists for this year's Toy Hall of Fame baseball cards, which to me do not seem like a toy, but because kids collected them and uh you know they've had lasting they've had lasting popularity, they've made it. Battleship. I never really liked Battleship that much. It was it was, it was a hassle. Plus I I don't like a game where you can't see what the other person is doing and they might be cheating. Not to say my brother's, uh, yes, rebound blue versus red. Just <laughs> that, is, that is the game, 414. Um, bingo is another finalist this year. Bingo, simple. Bop It. Now, this came along later. Bop It debuted in 1996. It combined electronic game processes with free play and physical elements in an innovative way. The handheld game challenges players to follow voice-recorded commands and uh, press the large buttons to um, helps with eye-hand coordination, focus and attention, and sensory motor integration. And it is also fun. I don't remember Bop It. Is that too old for you too, Matt? Bop It? I think Bop It's right in my wheelhouse. All right. Did you have a Bop It? Did you ever Bop It? <laughs> a lot of my friends did. Really? Yeah. Okay. I rem I mean I remember hearing about it, but 
I was I was well past that. So Boppet is another finalist. This year, very exciting. Barbie, of course, was inducted into the Toy Hall of Fame in the very first class. Ken, finally getting his due. He is a finalist this year, uh, maybe on the strength of the movie, but Ken has a chance to get into the National Toy Hall of Fame this year. This is a game I used to play with my brothers. I like Connect Four. That's a great game. It is a great game. Have you ever been somewhere where they had the giant size Connect Four? Those are the best. When you're yes, usually I've I've only run into them breweries and stuff, and that makes it even more fun. You're playing this giant, either giant Connect Four or giant Jenga. But this year, Connect Four uh, gets in. Yeah, it's it's funny with Connect Four because you start to you start and it's like tic tac toe or whatever. You start to learn a pattern, and um, but it was always fun. And it was, you know what? It's a good game to play if you're older with somebody who's younger. They know how to play it. You can play it with your parents, your grandparents. It's all around a good game. I like Connect Four. All right, good for you. Choose your own adventure books. Again, this is I. I was not around to choose my own own adventure. Um, they have their roots in oral storytelling, it says, that asks listeners for their input and branching stories and role-playing simulations from the mid-20th century. Uh, choose Your Own Adventure game books gave kids new opportunities to play with reading by empowering readers to choose what path their stories took. It influenced a generation. Uh, they sold more than 270 million copies and became one of the best-selling children's book series of all time. Again, books uh, books are great. I don't know if they count as a toy, but maybe just because they say you can play with them, that's it. Uh, Cabbage Patch Kids are in there. The Little Tykes Cozy Coop, that red plastic car with the yellow roof that uh, you, you would push with your feet because it was for Little Tykes. Uh, the aforementioned Nerf toys; those are in this year, as or those are semifinalists. Slime. Again, I never got into slime. I was, I was, I was way before the Nickelodeon era when slime became very, very popular. But um, you know, it said it. It says it was commercially introduced in 1976, which would have been right in uh, you know prime playing time for me. But I don't know. And then finally, the final uh, semifinalist this year, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The action figures, uh, all of that. So Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There you go. Uh, we're getting a lot of texts in on your favorite toys. We'll get to those and so much more. Is there a toy that you, th you think should be in that maybe hasn't been in the National Toy Hall of Fame? Uh, and if you want to find out, we will, uh, we will tell you all about that. But... We got to do this. It's WTMJ Nights. Wow, a little Don Henley. It's WTMJ Nights. I'm Brian Noonan, 855-616-1620. The finalists are out for the National Toy Hall of Fame for this year. We're talking about toys because it's Thursday night and we like to, uh, we like to have a little fun. A lot of people texting in on the old National Bank Talk and Text Line about Hot Wheels being their favorite. Hot Wheels were inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame in 2011. The little cars, I used to I used to love Hot Wheels. There was one that I searched for for years. I all I finally got it, um the Red Baron. For those of you old enough to remember, it looked like a little Kaiser helmet on a red hot rod body. It was the wildest looking Hot Wheel and I loved it. I 
I don't know if Hot Wheels were still a thing. Like when you were a kid, Matt, were Hot Wheels a thing? For a little bit. They started phasing out as I got older. Okay. And they also, it changed because I know they had more, you know, the tracks and stuff were more elaborate. Like for us, it was just the orange stretch of track with the little plastic joiners. And uh, I can't be the only one who, um, one, used those tracks as a weapon against uh, <laughs> against my brothers and also had those uh, tracks turned on me as a disciplinary tool. I cannot be the only one who, is, who has felt the sting of of a uh, Hot Wheel track. Now, Matt, you brought up, when I first brought this up, you were like, oh, like a ball or something. A ball, just a generic ball, inducted in 2009. Oh, a generic ball? Like, you know, the red... The the playground balls? It just said, but it just says ball. Ball. The ball is nearly as old as civilization. Uh, The ancient Mesoamericans played ball in elaborately constructed ball courts. Uh, in Laura Ingalls Wilder's little house in the big woods, they played ball with an inflated pig's bladder. <laughs> Boy, the prairie sounds lovely. Um, so yes, ball was a dug- not to be not to be outdone by the wiffle ball. There we was, go. That I can get behind. The wiffle ball was inducted uh, as well. That was inducted in. Uh, hold on, in 2017. There we go. Now, that, that's that the, the Hall of Famer of Hall of Famers. The wiffle ball, um, wiffle ball was crazy. I love that. You game. Could, I love. I it. did too, but I always, like, I would always muscle up too much on the wiffle ball, on the swing and on the throw, and you had to have a really good touch to throw a wiffle ball correctly, you know, to get it to curve, to do all that. So yes, wiffle ball is in there. Uh, two that I didn't quite understand: stick and cardboard box. Both in the in the National Toy Hall of Fame, that and the paper airplane. So uh, some, to be honest, some questionable inductees, but uh, some good ones. Uh, let's see, a lot of Hot Wheels, as I said. My favorite. Doug says my favorite was Rock'em Sock'em Robots. I know I've told this story before. How I wanted Rock'em Sock'em Robots, uh, so for so long, and I never got it as a kid. And it wasn't until I had been married for a few years and my wife got me Rock'em Sock'em Robots finally. And now, and, and I played it about 10 times and it's still in the basement. I still walk by it and press one of the buttons so the robot's arms go like that, you know, like they're punching. But um, yes. Oh, Taylor, the Evil Knievel stunt cycle. You don't remember Evil Knievel, Matt. He used, oh man, Evil Knievel was the biggest thing. He would jump everything. His biggest jump, uh, he jumped the fountains at... Caesar's Palace on his motorcycle. Then the uh, the one that failed miserably, the Snake River Canyon in his rocket car. It was great. There was movies. George Harrison played him in a George Hamilton rather played him in a movie. Uh, he was on like Wide World of Sports. It was Evil Knievel was everywhere. He inspired a generation of knuckleheads like myself to build ramps and then try to jump our Schwins over all kinds of stuff. Um, not the smartest, because what we didn't realize was that Evil Knievel's motorcycle had uh, shock absorbers and things, and our solid frame bicycles did not. And uh, you know a boy's bike, not the best if you slide off that seat after a uh, rough impact. So we've got that. Um, 
toy I hated was the paddle with a ball attached by a rubber band. Yes, once the rubber band broke, it became a behavioral correction tool. Yeah, I could never get the rhythm of the paddle ball. Never. I'm in my 50s and still play with my toys. I have a huge slot car track in the basement. Great hobby and great fun having friends over to race. Oh, nice. Austin says the green machine big wheel. The big wheel, the original big wheel, is in the National Toy Hall of Fame. Uh, one of my brothers, brother number four, was obsessed with the big wheel. He he rode his big wheel so much that he wore out the back wheels. I think he went through three big wheels. Uh, he would he would go to races. They would you know this was early '80s maybe, and they would have. Uh, big wheel competitions up in the mall parking lot and he was always up there yeah I, the big wheel came along too late for me which i always regretted but it went into the hall of fame in 2009. all right we got to do a little biz so let's do it on wtmj nights well you alluded to this at the uh, top of the show matt jack's american pubs let jets lose you win promotion was thrown into chaos the other night because of Aaron Rodgers' injury, but they vowed that the promotion will go on. Uh, they said the promotion Monday night brought in six times the pub's normal Monday night sales. A um, lot of people started ordering drinks after he was injured, but uh, then the Jets came back on that punt return and uh, beat the Bills. So, boy, everybody had to pay up, which was nice. They still want to do the promotion. promotion. They say, we're going to try to do something else. We want to see what happens over the next few days. We want to keep the promotion going, but in what form, we don't know, uh, because it's more than just about Rodgers. It was about uh, rooting on a number of former Packers players now playing for the Jets. So we will see. But, yeah, Jack's made a little money with, uh, with A-Rodg going down. We are going to talk a little football because Brandon Snide is back. It is the second edition of Tundra Talk. The first one where it is actually called Tundra Talk. We'll get to that after the news after this on WTMJ. We saw what happened week one with the Bears. Are you in love yet? It's time for Tundra Talk on WTMJ Nights. Here's your host, Brian Newton, with Brandon Snide. Yeah, man, week two is getting ready to roll in the NFL. Brandon is back, as we are going to do every Thursday night. We are going to talk Packers football, look back, look forward, get all the insight. Brandon you had to be very, very happy on Sunday with the performance of the Green and Gold. Brian, good evening. It's always a pleasure and an honor to be here with you. I <laughs> cannot tell you enough. It is nothing trumps in the sports in the sports world when the Green Bay Packers beat the Chicago Bears. And this one was just a little extra special. Had a little love, Brian, if you want to say. Yes. Had a little love in this uh, in this defeat and Boy, was I – I'm still riding the high. I couldn't sleep Sunday night. And, and it was week one. You know, it doesn't mean anything necessarily outside of bragging rights, but, man, did that feel good. That felt good. Well, it, it, was, it was an embarrassment on the other side of the field. So the Packers <laughs> came in. Everybody was like, oh, you know, let's see. Let's see what Jordan Love can do. His passing was, was good. He did, a, he did a very nice job. Um, the, the defense – the defense held the Bears. Now that 
probably they're going to have a lot harder tests down the road, to be honest. Um, the only the only threat the Bears had offensively that they had to take care of were some, a couple big runs by uh, Justin Fields. But other than that, everything was clicking. The special teams were clicking. Lucas Van Ness gets his first sack, so he's uh, cementing himself as a threat, as a pass rusher. Everybody's excited. Was there were there a couple things that you saw in the game, or things that you're, you want to temper Packers fans' expectations just coming out of Week One? Just go up, pump the brakes just a little because I'm looking at this. No, I, I'm I'm Super Bowl or bust, Brian. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the there you now. go. That's the standard. But a couple things though that uh, kind of hit off of what you talked about, Jordan Love, right? Like it. I don't think it needs to be stated enough that he had a better game than I think people are giving him credit for. Now, if you open up the box score and you're like, oh, 15 to 27, 245 yards, three touchdowns, sure. But if you do a little bit more digging, you look at it a little bit more, like why are people talking about Jordan Love? On third and fourth down, 8 yes. of 10, 141 yards, two touchdowns with a perfect 158.3 pass rating. That's the difference in the game. And I know the Bears aren't very good, and the, and the Packers defense played – as good as they should have against a different sure. offense that was inept, um, and they did their job. However, Jordan Love doesn't make that uh, touchdown pass to Aaron Jones on fourth and three. That changes. That changes. That could change the game. I mean, yeah, it's it, it, it can't be overstated. No, you're I, right. I, how I how it, the like, third and fourth down conversions are unbelievable. Crucial. I mean, if you're talking about you know winning and losing games, that's where it is. And the Packers were not good last year, and it's not a knock on Aaron Rodgers but they just weren't efficient enough uh, on third and fourth downs last year. I call them the money downs to where you could be a decide. you know, if you're in a game, it, that was the decisive moment. And man, would, did he just look the part? And, and I, again, I don't, I want to maybe pump the brakes on myself with Jordan Love, <laughs> but he looked, he looked like when you were watching him, he was decisive. He looked like he had control of the huddle. It looked like he knew what he was doing at the line of scrimmage. He ran over a guy on third down to, you know, get them in range to go for it on fourth and three. That was Aaron right. Jones touchdown. He just looked like a guy where I'm not going to, again, pumping the brakes on Brandon here, but a lot of his throws, the way he was moving, his mechanics, the arm flow looked a lot like the former quarterback that was playing in Green Bay last year. Looked a lot like him. Well, you you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't doubt that really having watched for three years and studied under <laughs> – uh, studied under twelve that that this this was coming up. Was there was there any concern with the the big the downfield throws that you know he overthrew he overthrew a couple he underthrew a couple. This was something that people yeah. were talking about during the preseason. Is that going to be sure. obviously it's something that can be worked on and improved? But when you look at everything else, how you know uh, how scary yeah, is I that? Think- I think I don't think it's scary. Um, does it put up a you know a, a you know a flag like hey I just want to keep an eye on that? Sure. Um, he has a real connection with Romeo Dobbs. I, and again, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but those two, I've watched them in person, um, seen them up close. I mean, they really have a, a close connection on and off the field. They really know each other very well. Um, I'm not worried about that. My, my concern, I guess, would be the absence of Christian Watson. He hasn't practiced again this week with the hamstring injury. His timing with Christian Watson all summer has been kind of up and down. And again, okay. he, Christian Watson is, is an alien, right? Like he's a freak, like four, three, four, two speed. 
Um, so that's going to take some time to get used to. I think a couple of those overthrows, and I don't want to put the blame on you know anybody out, outside of Jordan Love because I think you should probably put the football on the numbers regardless, but it looked like Luke Musgrave in that corner of the end zone. Uh, he kind of ran his route a little flat. Matt LaFleur talked about it in his Monday morning press conference, kind of wanted him to go upfield a little bit more. But I think it also needs to be stated, uh, Brian, these guys are all rookies. I mean, he yeah. is literally throwing to – Romeo Dobbs is his veteran receiver. He just got drafted last year. <laughs> <laughs> like, Yeah, that is, I mean, that is an amazing fact. You know what I mean? Like they're the youngest roster in the NFL. Yeah. There's going to be, there's going to be growing pains. I I think these things are going to be expected, but you're also going to get those splash plays like that. Luke Musgrave, Jordan Love fumbled the ball, picked it up, ran it, chucked it 50 yards. Luke Luke Musgrave is falling over his legs, but he caught it. You know yeah. you're going to have those really low moments, and it's going to be like, oh, here we go, and then it's going to be a big play. So I think it's a growing pain. Nothing downfield concerns me with Jordan Love. His arm out of Utah State was never in question. He can make every throw. He's got a very strong arm. His accuracy is probably the one thing where folks are going to be like, that needs to get better, and I would probably agree with that. But, however, I think over time it will. Again, we got to keep in yeah. mind, I know people people are like, he's been here for four years. He's been in the system. that He doesn't have live game reps. He needs those reps more than anything. And he will get them. Besides Jordan Love, who you, you seem on the fence about, Brandon, I don't know why. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, just a little. A little. Who else stood out to you this week? A guy that was a former first round draft pick, 2019, got a, a ton of criticism a year ago, and rightfully so. And a, a position going into this year that was in question on who was going to step up in that room, and that was Darnell Savage. He led the team in tackles. He was a he was flying all over the field. It was a position that you and I talked about it last Thursday going into this game where we were like, man, you and I might do a, you know, start in that role up in 1265 <laughs> Lombardi Avenue because they just didn't really have anybody all summer or all spring that was stepping up to be the starter. But Darnell Savage looked like the guy that they drafted in 2019. He looked like a guy that was not thinking as much as he was playing. And that was encouraging to see because if Darnell Savage can come into that safety position and solidify himself and solidify that position for a very stout defense, and that defensive front was pretty darn good. That's another standout, but I, we talked about it last Thursday as well. That, that front seven for the Green Bay Packers is no joke. Just ask Justin Fields. He's probably still running from them. He but probably is. Darnell He's hearing Savage. them hearing them in his nightmares. Yeah, Darnell Savage at the safety position was, was, my, was my other standout. What about there was during training camp? Uh, and Anders Carlson, the kicker, had missed a bunch. People were starting to get a little a little worrisome. He comes in the other day, hits all all six of his kicks, five extra points, and then that fifty two yard field goal. Um, so, is it just training camp was training camp? Now he'll settle in, or are we still going to be like, well, let's you know, he had a great game. We don't take it away. Let's see how the next one goes. I don't think he – he's you know you remember that Allen Iverson clip, Brian, where he's like, we're talking about practice, like this is practice? Yes. That's right. Anders Carlson. He doesn't care about training camp. He, get him to the game. Yeah. Get him to the Get him to the game. There it's probably go. not the right answer. But, um, you know, but he's another guy where, for if you're, you know, Brian Gudenkins, and just you got to give credit to Brian Gudenkins because he put his – he dug his heels into the ground. He said, this is my team. Yes, I can go out and get Mason Crosby if I wanted to and bring him back and let Anders Carlson kind of sit in the back and, and get him worked up. But Goody went, no, we're going to start. This is, this is my team. 
he was fired up in the press conference too. I don't know yeah. if you saw the, the uh, videos of him up there watching, greeting the players after the game at the tunnel. But he said, like, like this is my team. There's going to be growing pains. We're going to see it with Luke Musgrave. We're going to see it with Jordan Ru- Jordan Love, J- uh, Jaden Reed. We're going to see it with these guys. And he's going to do the same thing with Anders Carlson. But the dude has a leg. I mean, he nailed that 52-yarder. It was probably good. Oh, that didn't – yeah, there was absolutely no question. From the minute it left his foot, it was like, oh, that's in. Dead and center. His issue, isn't necess- his issue is kind of like where Jordan loves it. Like, Jordan Love can make every throw on the football field. He can throw the ball 60 yards downfield. It's can you put it in the bucket? Can you put it in, in tight coverage? Can you If it's got a small window, can you fit it in there? And that's Carlson's problem as well as, you know, the accuracy. But I think, again – over time, you know, I think he'll correct himself. Don't forget, I mean, we're not really removed. What What are we, three, four years removed from Mason Crosby's terrible year he had? I, I believe it was, gosh, off the top of my head, maybe 2015, 2016. He was just awful. And Goody, right. and, and not Goody, but Ted Thompson, they stuck with him. And maybe it was 2018. I don't know. I'm just rattling off now. But it, needless to say, like, he's going to give him time and, and allow him to grow into that position. All right, Brandon Snyder is here. We are talking Packers football. We're going to turn our attention to the Dirty Birds and Atlanta. When we come back, it's Tundra Talk on WTMJ Nights. You're listening to WTMJ Nights. It's Tundra Talk every Thursday night on WTMJ Nights. I'm Brian Noonan, and Brandon Snyder is always here. He is the man who knows all about what's happening with the Packers. All right, Brandon, we're going down to Atlanta. Uh, it's been back and forth with the Falcons over the uh, and the Packers. The, the Packers lead the series 19-16 over the last 10 years, but it's been the Packers win at home, the Falcons win at home. Uh, the first mm-hmm. question I have about this week, is Aaron Jones okay? We watched, we watched after the touchdown him uh you know it looked like a hamstring he was having fun on the sidelines as they were stretching him out um what's the word on Aaron Jones for this week yeah so that's kind of the tricky one of the week I think um Christian Watson is obviously the other one but he hasn't practiced in over a week now um Aaron Jones said after the game that if it was needed uh talking about the game in Chicago he could have came back and played obviously the score got out of hand they didn't need him Matt LaFleur let him sit um and he, he jogged off the field which was a positive sign. Then it became practice on Wednesday. It's usually their, you know, their first practice of the week. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday is when we get our, our injury reports. And he was listed as did not participate. However, he was in pads and a helmet, stretching, taking part of the field, uh, practice field, and then uh, went off to the rehab group. Matt LaFleur spoke today and said anytime that he has a helmet and pads on, it's a good sign. Okay. So he, he didn't necessarily practice but it's a good sign that he was at practice with a helmet. So, you know, that's going to be the the big question mark for this Green Bay's offense. They can survive without Christian Watson. They proved that in week one, uh, although you would love to have a guy like Christian Watson who can stretch the field vertically. Um, but Aaron Jones is the catalyst for this offense, and you saw it in week one against the Chicago Bears when he, I think the, for the first drive he had all, he had all the yards, right. pretty much all the uh, the – offensive yards gained on that first drive so he's a huge part of their offense um the big thing to look out for aaron jones is tomorrow what his designation is going to be tomorrow if he is upgraded to limited um i think he has a good chance of playing if he's downgraded or if he doesn't play obviously or doesn't practice excuse me then obviously that's going to probably tell you what, what what's on the docket for sunday but you know the thing about it is too brian it's week two right like it's right week two 
you won week one. I'm not saying you have to, you know, go in there and lose, but you don't want to put, you know, these guys out there so early into the season and a develop, developmental season, right? Like we're not, sure. I made a joke earlier about Super Bowl or bust and we all want that, but this <laughs> is a developmental season, right? Like these right. guys are, you know, we got, you need to be healthy. Um, so I, I, they usually err on the side of caution up there in Green Bay. So I would not be surprised to see him not play. And for me, that changes the outlook of the whole game. Now, is what you just said about the being developmental, is, did that lead to, I was a little surprised, as you said, Aaron Jones comes down the first drive, he gets a lot of the yards. Then he's kind of not really around in the second quarter. They're not going to him. And then it's funny, all the all the talking heads on TV were saying, oh, man, they got to get Aaron Jones back in. they got to get him back right. in. He comes out the start of the second half, and he is on fire. Did, did it surprise yeah, I, you that Matt LaFleur didn't go to him more in the second quarter? Or was that, you think, a calculated thing to go, okay, let's, you know, like you said, it's developmental. Let's not put too much pressure on one guy so early. Yeah, and, and Matt LaFleur was asked about that going into halftime by Aaron Andrews uh, for the Fox broadcast. She, you know, basically Matt LaFleur said, yeah, I got to do a better job of getting him involved into the offense. I, he did mention Matt LaFleur, that is, that part of it was, they fell behind on first down where it turned that, their offense into to more of a, of a passing situation. So that was part of the problem. Yeah, after that first drive in Chicago, that touchdown, the Packers go up 7 nothing. I mean, their offense basically stalled for almost two quarters, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, half of the first quarter and the second quarter, they, they got a field goal, but just didn't really move the ball well. Um, and then in the third quarter, you obviously see you know the difference with Aaron, with Aaron Jones. One quarter, yeah, it was crazy. you go into halftime, you're up 10-3. The game's pretty much over in the third quarter. Um, and he just changes the dynamic because what he can do uh, in the run game and in the pass game. So I think for Matt LaFleur, and, and Matt LaFleur has been, uh, you know, coaching, play calling for, you know, the last three, four, you know, going on four years. But I think it's also a developmental season for Matt LaFleur as well. Okay. Right? He doesn't have a four-time MVP, all-pro, right. Hall of Famer, arguably the greatest quarterback ever under center anymore. Right? He's He's kind of running his show now. So I think it's a little bit of, growing pains for him. And you kind of saw it at the end of the first half where they were going to kick that field goal seven, six. And um, they, uh, Jordan Love took a sack and there's 30 seconds on the clock. And he waited until there was four seconds to call a timeout, you know? So I think he's kind of learning and adapting as well. Like, Oh, you know, crap. I don't have, I don't have a guy like Aaron Rodgers to, you know, help me <laughs> kind of walk me through, you know, you know, certain things and, and see certain things. So I don't want to give Matt LaFour too much of a break, but I think there's, you know, maybe a year, you know, a week or two and, and he'll figure it out. All right, what are your what are your big keys to the game this week? Big keys for me is just obviously if you don't have Aaron Jones, it changes the offensive dynamics. I'm very curious to see what that means for Jordan Love going into what is going to be the Mercedes Benz Dome is loud down there in Atlanta. You know, it, it's going to be uh, an atmosphere that he has played in before in Kansas City. I'm not sure if it's necessarily going to be as loud as it is in Kansas City. How does he react uh, to the Atlanta Falcons defense? Who looked pretty good up front? They looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, they packed. They, you know, they they brought it to uh, to Bryce Young in Carolina, winning in Week One. So they're one to know. The Green Bay Packers are one to know. Can the Green Bay Packers at any point in the game establish any part of a running game? AJ Dillon looked awful in Week One. He just didn't. He didn't look good in Week right. One. So I'm curious to see if they can get a run game going against that front seven for Atlanta, who's pretty good. On the outsides, they're, they're not bad either. A.J. Terrell for the Atlanta Falcons was locked down 
in week one. Can Jordan Love get any anybody else in that offense involved outside of Romeo Dobbs? He found Luke Musgrave in week one who just kind of looked like a baby giraffe running down the sideline. So hopefully he can fix that route running. But <laughs> I think the key is obviously how does Jordan Love react? Does Atlanta blitz him? Chicago didn't blitz him, Brian, which was really weird. No. They didn't uh. they didn't bring any pressure to Jordan Love in that Packers offense. He had seven seconds, you know, darn near. Yeah, I don't think they practiced that. that. They didn't do a lot of work in training camp. I don't think uh, I don't know what I don't they, think... were, they were so busy. Yeah, they were so busy tweeting at Packers fans. But I think that yeah. <laughs> I think that that's that's the key. Does Atlanta blitz? If they do blitz, how does Jordan Love react? How does okay. Matt LaFleur react? How does he does he because if you don't have Aaron Jones, the big key is Aaron Jones. The Packers yeah. have Aaron Jones. I'm not worried. They have Aaron Final Jones. Score? Final score? Final score, 27-23. The Green Bay Packers go into week three, their home opener against the Saints, undefeated. Very nice. Brandon, it is always a pleasure. We will do this again next week. Thank you, as always, for your insights. Uh, Brandon Snide, you hear him in the morning doing sports. You hear him all over. You read him on WTMJ.com for all his thoughts on the Packers and everything sports. Brandon, we'll talk to you next Thursday on Tundra Talk. we got to do this, then it's news time. (laughs) Thanks, Brandon. Butter pecan coffee at Dunkin'. That was pretty good. You mean? Uh, Yes. And I was shocked by the bill. Shout out Culver's. Yeah. I've heard very good things about their fish ride. I'm going to go to Panera. I'm going to get a bagel sandwich. Doritos and Papa John's are teaming up. Anything that says ranch. That's why I barely watch a Western about cattle drives. Uh, Because of you guys, I had to analyze the hamburgers. (laughs) We eat fast food quite a lot. We talk about it even more. Let's visit the WTMJ Night drive-through window one more time with Brian Noonan. An all-liquid drive-through window tonight. A short one. We're trying to get all the uh, the regular segments in on a uh, shortened week here. But yes, this is uh, this is kind of disturbing news. But news that I did not. Uh, I wasn't surprised by in this day and age. McDonald's is phasing out all of the self-service uh, pop machines and beverage stations by 2032. Now, I'm glad they told us this far in advance so we can start to, you know, uh, temper our despair. But yes, the uh, they are going to be transitioning away from self-serve soda and beverage stations in dining rooms across the country, which is always good. I've never been to one where everything was working great. Something is always out. People have spilled all over. Little kids are in front of you. They can't decide what to do. But it does it does cut back on that, uh, the extra, you know, the second pop. But uh, the beverage stations are going to be crew managed, is what they said. It means the customers will no longer be handed uh, a cup by the employees to fill for themselves. They say this is meant to create a more consistent experience across all ordering points, including their delivery drive through app or in-restaurant. It's expected to roll out over the next 10 years. Take your time. No need to rush. Um, so, uh, you know, okay, they're going to be they're doing that. But it's, it is a big change. The other news coming out of there is that uh, Squishmallows are going to be coming up in Happy Meals later on in the year. Matt, does that uh, does that excite you? Does that pique your interest? The squishmallows or the fact that I can't get a second drink for free? 
Uh, both. Well, the squishmallows. First of all, I don't know if you. I don't even know what a squishmallow is. All right, so we'll move on to the second part of the question. A uh, that you can't get the second drink for free. I mean, a more consistent operation. How does that? What does that mean? I I don't know. I, I mean, like, if I get the maybe cup a second mess? before, I I understand it because, like you said, you don't want. Like kids who take forever, someone spills, the machine breaks, then you have the crew members in the middle of the dining room trying to clean it up, right? and it creates a mess. It's but- probably going to be less waste on their part as well. Now, I know that the pop doesn't, they're charging a lot more for the pop than it costs them, so they're making, they're making a mint on the pop, but, uh, you know, there's still, there's still probably a lot of waste between the ice and everything that pours down and, you know. So now they'll have one of their employees just pouring your pop. I don't, I like don't that. know. I don't know if it's. Are we supposed to be now? Like if you go through the drive-through or anything, you only get one drink. Is it? Is it uh, allowed to go? I always do. I don't eat it. The problem is I don't eat in much. Uh, yeah, that's somebody texted in. How many people eat inside McDonald's anymore? I sometimes I'll go in only because it looks like it might be faster. So then if I order a drink inside, I may take a couple swigs and then top off my beverage before I leave. But I don't know the exact policy. They've never stopped people from getting a second drink or a third drink, but this is going to ensure that people do not get a second drink. So now you're going to have to order, if you're really thirsty, you're going to have to order the large instead of the medium. And then you get a trough of pop that you have to take with you. So, I don't know. But listen, we have 10 years to get used to it. So here's my advice, Matt. I know this bothers you. Start going in and drinking as much pop as you can uh, to get to get your money's worth over the next 10 years so that when they finally stop, you're still going to be on top. I'm going to make a stockpile in my garage. <laughs> I'm that petty of a person. Wow. All right. Yeah, that seems small. But uh, okay, if that's, your, if that's your game, do what you got to do. Uh, this is this is a and the uh, squishmallows are uh, these pillow animals. I've only seen them. I have no. Uh, I know the kids at school. The young kids are very excited about squishmallows. If we have pajama day in class, they all say, "Can we bring a stuffy?" That's the new. Can we bring a stuffy? And most of the stuffies are squishmallows. That's a big thing. So. I'm not saying it's going to cause a beanie baby like rush for the McDonald's Happy Meals, but there will be a lot of happy Squishmallow fans coming up in the next couple months. This sounds uh, like Dunkin' Donuts is trying to give everybody diabetes. Not from the donuts, not from an iced coffee, but from their first of its kind drink, combining two fan favorites. First of all, I have to ask, uh, Matt, because you're younger, you're hipper, you've got your thumb on the pulse of the nation, do you know a rapper by the name of Ice Spice? I have never heard of Ice Spice. I have not. A lot of rappers with the name Ice, but no Ice Spice. I, I became aware of her this morning, or was it yesterday, only because there were some pictures of her uh, maybe getting into a beef backstage at the VMAs. Um or, or something. So she was at the VMAs. Well, she's also a big Dunkin' Donuts aficionado. So Dunkin' Donuts, and I still call it Dunkin' Donuts, they have collaborated with rapper Ice Spice on a limited time drink that combines 
pumpkin spice Dunkin' Munchkins, and creamy frozen coffee. So they take the pumpkin munchkins donut holes, they blend them together so that the donuts kind of create a pasty thickness in there. Then they top it with whipped cream and a caramel drizzle. They say it resembles a cookies and cream milkshake, but it has that autumnal pumpkin spice flavor, which all the basic people are so, so excited about. They can't wait. Oh, pumpkin spice season. Forget about it. I, uh, I'm not a fan of pumpkin spice, but the Ice Spice Munchkins drink is joining Duncan's fall lineup just for a limited time. It started yesterday, so you can get it, get in there, get yourself some. There is no uh, no information on how many calories are in this drink. Uh, people are surmising that it's probably very high since it's basically sugar. That's what it is. There's no coffee in the drink. It's coffee syrup. So it's coffee syrup, uh, frozen, whatever they the frozen coffee is, but it's not coffee, it's just coffee syrup. And then uh, munchkins, Dunkin' Munchkins, pumpkins uh, just blended up in there. I'm going to pass on this. I pass on all these crazy coffee drinks. Uh, I don't, you know, the, the wildest I'll get with a coffee drink is a mocha. Little espresso, little chocolate, that's all. I don't need this, but people will go crazy for it. Something you're uh, you're going to be lining up for your Ice Spice Munchkins drink, Matt? That'll be something that I won't be stockpiling in my garage. Oh, you want, even to keep you hydrated during the call of a game? No. that, that What that would do, <laughs> if I had one sip of that, you would hear the most energetic call in the second quarter, and then you'd hear snores in the fourth quarter. Snoring. And then also, I, I'm guessing this drink sounds like it would create a lot of phlegm, too. A lot it, of, a lot it just of, doesn't a lot of, sound good. No, it doesn't. And then you'd just be like <clears throat> clearing your throat all through the game when you weren't either way jacked up or trying to stay awake. No, it is um, no, not good. Not good. Uh, Linda texts in. Uh, oh, she's very, she's very upset that uh, the uh, it's, it's cheaper for them. Yes, that's why they're doing it. McDonald's with the pop, she says. I happen to love the new soda machines with lots of flavors. To add to your traditional soda, Five Guys has them, and so do many theaters. I think McDonald's is being really cheap. I would agree. I also love those, uh, what do they call them, Freedom, the Coke Free, whatever those machines are called. Those are the best, got... the touchscreens. Oh, my God, they're fantastic. They are fantastic. Unless there's only one, and then you have the indecisive 8-year-old who is trying to create some sort of chemistry experiment, um, then it's time to move on. But... <laughs> I love those. That's where that's the kind of thing where I will make sure I go in uh and like at a five and sit there and I'm gonna try three or four different kinds of pop. You can't stop me. I might have a lime coke. I might go with something else. Who knows what I'm gonna do, but it's gonna be tasty and I'm gonna experiment. Those are the best. Now they have them at White Castle. And but I since I never go into White Castle anymore. I just drive through if I if I do happen to go by the Porcelain Palace. I'm never confident that if I order something unusual that it's actually going to be made the correct way. I think they're going to go, yeah, whatever, here. And then by the time I'm a block away, I'm going to go, this doesn't taste like lime, orange, Coca-Cola. This tastes just like regular Coca-Cola. And they'll go, mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't have time to be pushing all kinds of buttons. You ordered something that said Coke, and that's what you got, Coke. All right. So 
There you go. What do you uh when what's your go to when you go to one of those crazy machines? I'm a simple guy. I gotta go with either a lemonade or a fruit punch. But there's so many variations. You got the strawberry, yes. you got the fruit flavor. I like to spice it up. Sometimes I am that uh little kid that does the chemistry experiment. But <laughs> it's a predetermined recipe. It's an Arnold Palmer, except Ooh. when you're not making a straight Arnold Palmer, you have to figure out the chemistry yourself. So, you know, That's sometimes true. you get too much lemonade, sometimes too much iced tea, take a little sip, put it back under, add <laughs> one or the other. At that point, someone's behind me yelling, and I spill, yeah, my fingers are sticky. It's a disaster, but I love it. I, I Yeah, I, I find those machines to be one of the greatest inventions in the history of mankind. You may say it's something else. Maybe the computer, maybe the iron lung, maybe, you know, uh, a pe- uh, insulin pump for diabetes, anything. The iPhone, not me. I go with the big Coca-Cola free machine where I get to pick a million different combinations. All right, let's wrap up the drive through window. When we come back, we're going to take a quick visit to see what's happening at the breweries on WTMJ Nights. Oh, this little refrain should help me explain as a matter of fact, I fear. Welcome to another edition of At the Breweries. Give me a keg of beer. Pull up a bar stool and get ready to join the keg conversation. A shark on whiskey is mighty risky. A shark on beer is a beer engineer. Your one-stop shop for brews in the news is on tap. Beer, more beer, and more beer. Here's At the Breweries with Brian Noonan. All right, a real quick At the Breweries. Just a, a, a sampler, if you will, a flight of At the Breweries stories. Uh, this is, always, this is a, always a fun time of year at uh, Company Brewing because it is the time of year where they are making their River West Backyard Hops beer. And if you haven't heard of this, they ask people from neighborhoods all over the city to, if you want to bring some hops, if you've been growing hops in the backyard, bring them over. And we're going to put them into this beer. They put them into them every year. Last week was the big collection date, and the beer is set to be released on September 30th. It's going to be available uh, on tap or in cans at Company Brewing again at the end of the month. So what happens is they um, every year the beer is different, obviously, because it depends what people have grown in their yards and what they decide they're going to be in. Uh, they did it first in 2013 when they opened, and that was because a neighbor asked them if they could use any wild hops. So they were like, yeah, sure, okay. So every year the event has gotten bigger and bigger. Uh, last year they had the biggest donation yet. About 50 people brought a total of 140 pounds of 30 different varieties of hops. And while they do call it River West, it is they get hops from any neighborhood. They don't care. Not many rules. Just pick the hops the day that they donate them. So they do that before they bring their hops. Company Brewing makes a base pale ale with malted barley, yeast, water, and a tiny bit of in-house yeast to cut the bitterness. And then 99% of the hoppiness comes from things that are hops that are donated by people in the neighborhoods. So it is uh, it is very cool. So their River West Backyard Hops Brew, again, will be available for September 30th because they got all the hops last week. All right, a couple quick beer events. 
uh, for the weekend. Fall Fest comes to the tap yard. They're going to be tapping limited beers, uh, a, a few limit, limited beers, alongside with uh, some Oktoberfests. They're going to have live music and food trucks. That's tomorrow. Tomorrow also at Broken Bat Brewing, they're releasing Get the Tarp, its first well-hopped pale ale, wet-hopped pale ale. That's tomorrow. On Saturday, man, this is the time of year. If you are an Oktoberfest fan, you are going to be happy, happy, happy. Uh, Mobtoberfest is happening at Mob Craft Beer, Stein Holding, Beer Chugging, Sausage Sculpting. Uh, all of those things sound like they could be dirty, but they're not. Uh, polka Dancing, that's all happening at Mobtoberfest. It begins at 11 at Mobcraft, which is on South 5th Street. Sahale Al House is hosting its annual Einklein's Oktoberfest. They're tapping six German-inspired beers to sip while listening to live music and dining on brats, hot dogs, and burgers. Uh, oh, and then we're back at the Tap Yard in West Bend. They are having Pumpkin Beer Day, so plenty of pumpkin beers. There's a few pumpkin beers that are, I think are really good. I think Pumpkin is a good one, some, other, some others, but it's almost like pumpkin spice where... So many people started to do it. It's like, mm. so, but a lot of people love them. And then finally on Sunday, uh, the Tapyard Brookfield is tapping Revolution Brewing's Oktoberfest at 2 o'clock. You order one and you get to keep the Stein. Uh, Revolution, their Oktoberfest is one of the OGs of Oktoberfest beers, and it is phenomenal. I have some in the fridge now. I will vouch for Revolution Oktoberfest, 100%. And then there's, in Waukesha at the Tap Yard, it's a family-friendly afternoon. It's going to benefit higher elementary. 20% of the sales are going to benefit the higher PTO for its new playground project. So that's a good reason to go have a couple beers, help out the kids, get them in a little, uh, get them in a little thing. And before we go, uh, before we say goodbye, since we're talking about beer, allow me to plug uh, a project that I am involved in that launched just the other day, actually yesterday. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but Crafty Brewers Tales Behind Craft Beer, it is a new podcast that I am uh, very proud of. I am co-hosting with the owner of the Exit Strategy Brewing in Forest Park, Illinois. We are going to, we interview craft brewers, and we bust beer myths, and we talk about bad customer behavior, and it is all fun, and it is all meant to increase your love of craft beer. It is available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. So Crafty Brewers, Tales Behind Craft Beer. If you like craft beer, you're going to love this podcast. If you're curious about craft beer, you're going to really like this podcast. And if you don't like beer, who needs you? No, I'm kidding. But, uh, but it's a lot of fun. So if you get a chance... Go take a listen to that, and uh, that's that. All right, uh, let's. I think we have to. Uh, we have to start wrapping up, right, Matt? This is. We got to take this. We got to say goodbye. We got to say good night. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the program, Matt. As always, thank you for being here. Uh, we will be back with you again. Uh, where I'm looking at the calendar, who knows? Next week, sometime, we'll be here, and uh, we'll all get together again. Have a terrific weekend. Brewers Weekly with Dom Catronio on the other side of the news here on WTI.